You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. How you doing, lads? Hey, guys. Happy to be back for another week of Skull Crack. Yeah. I am excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, we don't have too, too much to talk about this week, but we do have a, a little bit of a, a news segment. So we've got some news on Yuya Watanabe and his previous disqualification from the championship. Then we might transition into talking about a little bit of Limited, as we mentioned last week. I don't know if you guys have had any evolving takes on it or any more experience. But uh, I'll share my non experience. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about standard. And then I don't know if you guys want to talk about modern or not, but we might we might hit that before the end. So we'll kick it off with uh, the news about Yuya Watanabe. So Yuya Watanabe was previously disqualified from Mythic Championship London for Mark Sleeves in the final round. I think it was round 16, right? Yeah, it was after the top eight had been announced, even, I think. Yeah. Or was about to be announced. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, a lot of people were outraged at that. Like Yuya is a well-respected player, or was a well-respected player, a Hall of Fame member, MPL member, and we were. I I I think when we discussed it on this podcast, me and UL, we kind of like no no proof or anything had been had been offered as of yet, but just the nature of the of the transgression, I suppose, like marked sleeves, kind of sounded like. It was not really arguable what had happened. Yeah, so yeah, I think at yeah, the point we recorded, we didn't have any further information apart from the initial uh, statement uh, during the uh, during the Miss Championship no. uh, broadcast. So uh, yeah, so it seemed we we got a lot of detail for the judges at that point as to you know which sleeves were marked um, and the, the pattern that they that they found uh, during the deck 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 check. Yeah, which seemed like fairly fairly conclusive as to what had happened, like. In in most you know in 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 these situations you're going to believe the statement so yeah so as time went on uh, you kind of professed his innocence on Twitter and his team Team Psy Games which is a Japanese team as far as I'm aware they they put out a few statements on on their website and on Twitter as well and they promised that there would be screenshots or not screenshots but like uh, photographic evidence of the of the sleeves in question put up at some point and yeah when when that photographic evidence was put up i mean i don't really understand why they agreed to put that up because it just blatantly showed that the sleeves were marked like they were very clearly marked and yeah once once that happened everyone was uh, like yeah this is a open and shut case yeah i think it was that yuya had said on twitter that he would upload the sleeves for people to see so then maybe the the team felt like they had to follow through with it because uh because yuya had stated that he would do so uh i'll just point out as well Psy games the team that yuya is a member of is also the they're the team basically that uh, are the company that developed Shadowverse, which Yuya was a was a developer on. Oh, how does that? Just for a bit of context. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, so Yuya had said that, and yeah, they put that up, and then everyone was like, "Yeah, this is a fairly open and shut case. He definitely cheated. These, there is no way that these marks were not intentional." And yeah, so we have now the result of the investigation. So. As I have shared on this podcast, uh, if you are disqualified from a tournament in Magic, your case is deferred to the judge council who will do some deliberation and as much investigating as they deem necessary, and then they'll deliver some kind of verdict 
on your case. So like they can give you uh, anything from no action to a suspension, and then the length of the suspension, you know, depends on the severity of the uh, of whatever you did. And in this case, there was they, they posted the statement on the Magic Esports website. So I'll read it in full here. Uh, the Magic Pro League completed a thorough investigation following Yuya Watanabe's disqualification for Mark Sleeves at Mythic Championship 2. As part of this investigation, the sleeves in question were examined multiple times by multiple judges and tournament officials. We reviewed recordings of matches from Mythic Championship 2, as well as past tournaments, and we considered statements from Watanabe as well as Mythic Championship 2 judges and tournament officials. The result of that investigation is that, effective immediately, Watanabe is banned from DCI-sanctioned events for a period of 30 months, is removed from the MPL, and is removed from the Magic Hall of Fame. Information on his replacement in the MPL will be announced early next week. So this is very harsh, very severe. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, they obviously feel that that the result is entirely clear-cut, that there's there's essentially no room for uh, for doubt in terms of what he did. And as an MPL member, and I would say especially as a Hall of Fame member, although maybe the two are kind of as important as each other, that they absolutely have to, uh, to really bring down the, the hammer on this one. Yeah, and then the point they made was they uh, reviewed video evidence, uh, which suggests that you know they have seen more evidence of of this occurring. Uh, they've seen more evidence that suggests that this is all premeditated and done on purpose than what we've seen just in the uh, screenshots alone. Uh, yeah, so they've they've be, you know, they've gone beyond uh, this this leaves to deliver this um, verdict. Yeah, the the some of the speculation around it could be that they they reviewed his matches from Mythic Championship Two when he was using said sleeves, and then. They reviewed older video footage of him and like hit to establish his pattern of play, like how he played, where his deck position, deck was positioned, things like that, and if there was any difference between them and uh, th- those times and when he played with those sleeves at the Mythic Championship too. And I think that's fairly that's a that's a good call from wherever I read that on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, on, on Reddit as well, there was uh, someone had a, a big long post going into detail of um like go using basically describing footage from previous tournaments as so yeah where he positions where he usually positions his deck uh, and they had examples during this MPL or this uh, Mythic Championship uh, as to um basically the, the position where he changed his deck changed depending on whether or not he had Tron assembled um so I, I don't know how conclusive that is uh, I, I didn't go into detail look at all the all this footage but it seemed to be that was you know, something along those lines was part of the puzzle that uh, DCI had put together for this yeah, that sounds fairly damning. Um, I suppose the only one thing I want to say is there was more of a conspiracy theory aspect than I've seen, that I've seen before around this deep, uh, in terms of people really coming up with absolutely wild stuff to defend Yuya in, in what I think we could all agree is pretty clear damning circumstances that it, it would be very hard for any of us to come up with uh, a reasonable defense. I think part of this is because... You know, it's his first defense. He's been playing for a long, long time, and it is just very surprising to everyone um, that he was caught doing this. Especially, like, there's there's been many, many reactions from pro players. Uh, the consensus seems to be, you know, I respected you a lot. I can't believe he did this, but given the evidence, it looks like he did do it. Um, but yeah, there's been there's been I've seen like a lot of reactions on Reddit and on Twitter and stuff like that from Japanese players and and fans and from Western players and fans uh who like have you know the 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 conspiracy theories that have come up that like you know the judges sabotaged his deck during one of the deck checks that he went under or something like that uh that you know it was a 
like a CFB conspiracy to get one of their players into the top eight instead of Yuya. Just absolutely mad stuff like this. And I, like, I know that it's hard for people to uh, to accept when something like this happens, especially when it's it's someone you know like Yuya that that people find really likable and stuff like that. But um, I just I just really wanted to to like to make it clear that I think we all think it's ridiculous that any of those type of conspiracy theories could happen. That the idea that like you know a level three judge working at the MC would would do something like this um, is is just completely out of the question in my mind. You know, knowing judges that that take judging exceptionally seriously, and uh, and you know how much how big a part it is of their life and how ethically committed they are to judging at a high level. I just wanted to. Uh, to say that that I know it must be tough for those judges to have heard those things kind of said about them on Reddit and everything, even if it is absolutely ridiculous. So I just wanted to to state that. Yeah, it's strange. It's it's almost like you kind of alluded to it there. It's like it's a side it's a side of the community I never saw before. Um, just kind of a big elaborate conspiracy theories being kind of yeah, chained together uh, pieces of information. It was it was very bizarre. Uh, I I'd never seen that like this before in Magic. Very strange. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Like it started off. I just I saw one or two comments on the Reddit thread, and I saw on the original Reddit thread, and I thought, huh, that's funny, you know, that people are going this conspiracy direction. And then I just kept seeing it on every thread and on every Twitter thread as well. It was just this constant thing that people were saying. Yeah, it's very unusual. Didn't uh, didn't necessarily think the whole conspiracy theory thing, fake news thing, would uh, reach into magic, but I guess just into all aspects of people's lives. Um, yeah, definitely what what you said about the judges. I I don't think I've I don't think I've ever met a judge who doesn't take judging seriously in that way. Do you know, like in the way that they would be willing to do something like that to a player. Like some people, you know, judge casually in the sense that they don't want to do it every weekend or whatever. But when they're doing it, they're extremely serious about it. In my opinion, or in my experience. Yep, definitely, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, so that's kind of, uh, all we have to say on that matter, I suppose. Well, I, I guess there there could be more to be said in terms of um in terms of how this reflects on other people in the hall and other people who could get into the hall in the future and wizard stance against cheaters like going forward but that will be all speculation from here i guess um it does seem like they're very willing to be to be very very strict on it i mean this is this is their flagship year of the MPL. it's a huge thing for them they don't want people tarnishing it, and if they do, then they're going to be punished harshly in response. I, I mean, I can't believe. I honestly, it's it's mad that he would do this in the sense of like he had this, he had what would be everybody's dream job. You know, I don't mean everybody in the world, but like for us or like anybody who loves Magic, this is the dream job. Like you've made it to the top. You're in the MPL. You're being paid to play Magic. You're not just Depending on your tournament winnings, you actually have a seventy-five thousand dollar a year contract to play Magic. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the idea that he'd finally got here after all these years, and you know that that this opportunity was now there. He just wanted to make sure that he stayed in the, in the MPL going forwards. You know, maybe he was he was worried about losing the spot next year if his results weren't up there. You know, yeah, you can say, you can say the, the stakes are different now than they ever have been before. Yeah, like Yuya had won, I think I think I looked at his, his wiki page recently and he had won like just over four hundred thousand dollars over the course of his career playing Magic, which is a lot of money and it and it does sound like a lot of money too for a player to have won. But if you consider that he's been playing at that level for like fifteen years or something like that, you know, that only comes out to whatever it is, like thirty, thirty five thousand dollars a year, which is 
you know, just a sort of average salary at uh, playing per year. So now, obviously, he wasn't doing that full time all those years, but he was certainly spending a lot of hours playing. But getting that bumped up to, as you say, $75,000 a year, you know, and you get to to do it essentially full time, you know, that is a big difference. So, I mean, it's all speculation, really. We're never going to know because he's not admitting to cheating. Maybe, maybe, maybe down the line he will. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know if this is something he was doing the whole time as well. So maybe nothing, maybe nothing has changed, you know, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, the cheat is so obvious. And like everybody who saw the sleeves was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. That's that's an incredibly obvious cheat. Like that leads me to believe that, like, he probably wasn't doing it for years, because if he was cheating that obviously for years, I believe he would have been caught before. But who knows? Yeah. Yeah, and it is funny as well how, how like we mentioned, the, the conspiracy theories sprang up and a lot of them were rooted around like judges sabotaging his deck because there was this kind of weird, um, like large number of deck checks on him. Like I think it was like three deck checks over the course of maybe three or four rounds. And But obviously that must have been the judges like basically trying to confirm what the, susp- like, the suspicions of maybe the first judge. And like, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine those judges like probably it, it wasn't a funny situation but like kind of thinking about it now them going wait a minute have i have i just caught yuya watanabe with mark sleeves and i need someone else's opinion here yeah exactly i wouldn't be surprised if that was what had happened backstage at all yeah i think i'm um, reading reading his account it's consistent with you know judges saw the sleeves are marked saw there's a pattern uh the next thing you want to do is see is just observe him to see if he is uh acknowledge if he's yeah, if he's aware of this pattern, or if he seems to be aware of this pattern, uh, which yeah, it seems seems like something that they could have been doing, or something that they were doing, uh, since they gave him the death back and said, "Oh yeah, you're fine, uh, go for the next round." Yep. So we will we will see if there is any development on that in the future. I would imagine that there's not going to be much development development from here. I think Team Side Games released a statement that they were going to continue. I don't know, like maybe appeal this or something like that. But I'm pretty sure that there is no appeal process for this for this situation. It's a private company, so. Uh, I don't think there's any way to to get around it. It's just Wizard's decision. He's he is banned. That's that's pretty much it. Don't know if everyone anyone has ever successfully appealed a ban. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see if there's any development in the future, and certainly we'll talk about it. Um, in other news, we had the uh, the first MPL league was this past weekend. Um, maybe Kieran, you want to talk about that because you because you actually watched it. Yep, I had a lovely hangover yesterday, so I spent a lot of the day in bed uh, watching Twitch. So that was a good prep for the podcast. Totally intentional. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was. It was. I think there were teething issues um, with the broadcast. There were. It was. It was quite slick. The presentation. Uh, for anyone who doesn't doesn't know, the commentary team uh, and presentation team is. I'm not sure of the person's name. Becca something. Um, look this up. Becca. Know what it is. Uh, Becca Scott. Becca Scott. Uh, so at the Becca Scott uh, on Twitter. Um, so she was kind of the the host at the desk, uh, and then with her commentating the games were and Cedric Phillips, who I gotta say made one of the best commentary teams I've I've ever seen, to be honest, for a big Magic event. Um, obviously, Cedric has years and years of experience, uh, you know, running and commentating the SCG events that he does. 
with uh, with Patrick Sullivan, who again, are, I mean, they are one of the best commentary duos in in Magic history for sure. And then Brian Kibler, obviously, is a consummate professional, has spent you know years commentating and uh, and doing Magic content, and then years after that, doing doing Hearthstone commentary and and content and streaming and stuff as well. So the whole team was just incredibly professional. That's that's the first thing I want to start with. Uh, it's absolutely an amazing team, and they should stick with it going forward. It was it was an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, so it's sort of it's a round robin event, right? Where everyone in the four groups uh, are going to play play each other. Four or five groups, I can't remember. They're gonna, they're going to play each other anyway. Um, and they kind of did this weird format where you would you would see sometimes a game one of a of a match of a best of three. It was standard best of three. The format sometimes you would see a game one, and then they'd tell you, oh, and uh, you know X player went on to lose the next two games. So. Uh, you know, that's the result of that match. Or sometimes they'd go, you know, reduke one game one of this match, and now let's go to game two straight away. And and so they were doing this to try and bring you interesting matches, I guess, because all the matches had been pre-recorded. But sometimes they wouldn't even show a single game from a match. They would just show you what a matchup was like, and then they would go, okay, and, uh, you know, Ben Stark won that match 2-1 without you even seeing any gameplay at all. It was very strange to make that choice, I think. And there there was just a lot of breaks and a lot of time spent at the coverage desk which which as i said was very professional very slick but it seemed like they could have had quite a bit more game time on the stream considering that all the matches were pre-recorded they had all the results and they knew which ones were interesting um it 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 i again i think just teething issues but i did feel like there were there was a lot of time where i there was you know on breaks or, or filler time that i spent you know navigating to other people's streams and stuff while the event was on uh so i'd like to see if they could tighten that up a little bit for next time uh there was quite a funny uh error where ben stark which in classic ben s fashion managed to uh to mess up his recording for his side of the games so for all the other matches you could see both players hands but for ben's matches you couldn't see his hand because he screwed up his recording so hopefully that gets sorted out for next week too yeah i imagine there is some some amount of difficulty in coordinating that kind of thing like when you're getting capture footage from a lot of different players from from you know each from their individual locations around the world and each with their individual machine that they're recording on I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different things going on and they obviously need a, a an AV team there to put it all together uh, and you know traditionally not Wizards strong suit but hopefully it, it improves as it goes on. Uh, I, I mean I kind of totally forgot that this was happening to be honest as well. I think they need to advertise it better. Um, one of the things that interested me was that uh, Mike Seagrid said that the the pro players learned about this league at the same time that the general public did in that announcement so obviously this was something that they they put together relatively hastily i want to say like it, it looks good like all the the setup that they that they put into it and like the structure of the league seems absolutely fine but i feel like they kind of put it together hastily in the last like month to two months where when people started going hey you know the mpl where's the league part of that yeah i'm not really sure what to think of that aspect of it to be honest you'd think that they would have had this whole stu- all the years events thought out, you know, ahead of time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about. It. What do you think, Al? Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, you know, I suppose the way you described it, it feels almost comparable to the mocks. Um, you know, even ter- in terms of how it was how it was recorded, how it was shot. So um, yeah, it kind of it seems like it would be a very easy thing to sell to to, to the MPL to, to you know, um to describe to them early on to give them give them some you know, some yeah, advanced uh, uh, yeah really just really just really just some notice. Um, so you kind of wonder if this is something that they had in mind back when they first conceived the MPL, 
or is it something that they only kind of started putting together now? But presumably they have done better for a long time because it is a big operation and it does require a lot of um, a lot of different stakeholders, a lot of a lot of equipment. Um, so yeah, so it's strange how the players didn't know until. Yeah, like I'd imagine they had to uh, had to get Cedric and and Brian Kibler quite quite a bit ahead of time in order to to secure them to do the events because they're very busy people, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I I think I think when when the MPL players like when they when they went into when they went into Wizards around whatever it was around Christmas time, whenever the MPL was announced for their kind of in service day, shall we say, they they uh I believe that they mentioned that there was talk of league play, but it was never like finalized or anything like that. So I assume this kind of stuff was in the works before. But like we're sitting here, you know, now almost halfway through the year, and we've just had the first one. Kind of just seems a bit weird. It almost seems like they forgot about it because there was other stuff going on and other complications. Um, it, it just seems like every organized play announcement that they've made since I don't know more than six months ago, at, at least all this year, has been like by the seat of their pants, last minute. Like announcing that May is a qualification month for arena magic qualif- uh, magic mythic championship qualifiers that announcement happened like on the 1st of may or the 31st of april or, or the 30th of april whatever it was I, I mean obviously you can assume that it's going to be a qualifying month probably but you know that wasn't sure information that only that information only came out the day that the month started basically it, it's just kind of weird they, they seem like they're doing everything really last minute and they're just really like fighting to catch up with with uh with what's going on yep i agree with you yep. they need to uh to get a tighter tighter grip on this i think yeah yeah hopefully but i suppose that a lot of these new changes are kind of changes that presumably will be in place for a long time going forward and uh, presumably once everything is in place uh we should be fine but i don't know can we be sure i don't know yeah i think that's fair to say and that hopefully like once once these things are once they're kind of established they will continue on in much the same fashion so that's fine. Um, I, I think, yeah, it is mainly teething problems and these things will get sorted out over time as they get uh, solidified and finalized. So, yeah, I think in the future, it'll be easier to depend on when these things are happening and tune in appropriately. Uh, when, when is the next the next weekend for for MPL? Is it, is it next week? Is, is it weekly? I presume so. <laughs> I don't actually know 100%, but I presume so. Uh, it could be the case as well that the removal of Owen and now you from the MPL was uh, was something that caused a bit of delay and and last minute bumps in the road with with, with regard to these announcements, them having to find replacements and things like that. Oh yeah, that's very fair. We can't yeah. take all the blame all the blame on on Wizards. Definitely, uh, I would say those those things were unexpected hitches. Yeah, I think even on the on when they announced uh, this league, uh, like Yu's name was on the. Uh... You know, was you know, on the docket. Um, it was yeah. like it was immediately after his his DQ. So yeah, maybe uh, yeah, there was some last bit of chopping and changing. Well, I'll be looking forward to watching next weekend's uh, MPL league if if such a thing exists. I don't know. We'll find out. I guess next weekend. Um, all right, moving on to a bit of limited. So I'll just say what I wanted to say, which is barely an update, but it is that I have not played any further limited, even though I said that I was going to jump into ranked War of the Spark draft uh, once that came out on Arena. I didn't realize that it had come out because the traditional draft of War... or Sorry, the, the ranked Ravnica Allegiance draft was there for another few days after we last recorded. I'm not sure exactly when it changed. I think maybe about three or four days ago now. 
And but one day it just disappeared off the screen, and it wasn't replaced with ranked War of the Spark draft. There was just like traditional War of the Spark draft was in its place on on the arena splash page screen. So I was like, oh, maybe they're not doing ranked draft for a few days or something like that. Maybe it's gone. But it was like buried in the play menu. So I just didn't know that it came out. Yeah, I uh, I actually only found out today as well for the same reason. What? Yeah, I, I I found it during yeah no, I, I I found it during the week because it was uh, I think on Twitter I saw someone was saying hey where is this where's um, the ranked draft and a reply to his tweet was um, a screenshot of you know where it is buried in the play menu so it was only that that was like I, I didn't even know it was available until I saw this tweet of somebody telling somebody else uh, how to access uh, this play mode. Why why would they do that? Why would they take it off the the main page? Very strange. Yeah, no idea. So that's uh, that's all the update that I have to share on on War of the Spark Limited. Have you guys played any more? I've I just did one draft today. I uh, just went four four three in it or whatever. I, I kind of don't know what I'm doing at all in the draft to be honest. I, I still haven't drafted very much. Uh, the bots still don't seem great. That's all I can report. I was getting some very good hybrid mana planeswalkers like fourth and fifth pick, which doesn't seem correct most of the time. Yeah, I I I just won one since uh, since last week. Uh, I only played one match. Um, my my the draft itself was an absolute train wreck. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing until the start of pack two. Um, I ended up with a deck. Um, maybe it's maybe it's possible, but um, yeah, I, I've I've nothing else really to say about the draft format. Callus dismissal is pretty good. That's what I found. Yeah, yeah, I, I put that as the best uh, blue common. Oh yeah, so you did. Oh, I also had a deck with uh, with Ashiok in it, and it won me a game. I'll you'll be pleased Boom. to hear. You see, <laughs> only forty cards. Yeah, I refuse. Yeah, I'll I'll believe it when I do it. All right. Which hopefully will be will be sometime soon. So ho- hopefully I'll have some thoughts to share next week, <laughs> as I said last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kieran, I, I I've I've heard that um, some I've heard some pro players say that it's it's if you think about it maybe like cube, then you might have a better idea of what you're doing when you're drafting. Yeah, I would agree with that. It it definitely feels that way. It feels like. Uh... You end up with, with obviously a lot fewer creatures in your deck than normal and more planeswalkers running around. So that's a bit more QB in general. And it kind of, yeah, the game is kind of more about long-term advantages until you get, unless you get run over really early. So yeah, that, do, that does make sense thinking about it in that, that way. Yeah. Um, I've never actually drafted cube, so <laughs> good luck to me. Um, You're joking me, have you not? Never. Got to get on that. It's the best. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm fairly sure I've watched one of you draft it before, but never, never done it myself. Literally, the only reason to play Magic Online these days, you know. <laughs> that and modern. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, shall we talk a bit about standard? We shall. All right. Uh, I suppose I'll kick it off with the the pro league pro league deck lists. Well, not necessarily just the deck list. So we'll may, I'll maybe just read out the archetypes. So the the single largest archetype archetype for the magic pro league week one was azorius aggro or i guess white aggro no no azorius yeah azorius had six six players that's like the mono white deck but splashing blue some i'm not i'm not sure if all of them had uh teferi time raveler or only some of them uh but yeah that new hotness teferi time raveler in that uh in the mono white aggro deck so it obviously gives you game against uh like reclamation decks they can't go off when you have Teferi in play, although I would argue that Azorius Aggro already had a pretty good matchup against Reclamation decks, but however. Um, then next we've got Esper Control with five players, Esper Midrange, four players, 
mono white aggro four players mono red aggro four players and then everything else is one so sultai demir control bant midrange rakdos aggro and gruel aggro each of those had one player what do you think about this metagame um, it was pretty much what I expected going into it. Uh, I, th- I think just from, from watching the matches, it seemed like I think most of the players had two Teferi Time Raveler in the main deck in the Resorius Aggro decks, uh, from what I saw. Uh, and that seemed to work very well. There was no Nexus players, I don't think, but the card is just absolutely absurd against control. You know, if you get a little bit ahead on the board and you and you land the Teferi, it's just, it's just so strong against control decks that I think that worked pretty well. Um, Mono Red was pretty interesting. Like, you had, like... I'm not sure if many of the players were playing the new Chandra as we were talking about last week uh, after the SCG event. It seemed like more players were on Experimental Frenzy than on Chandra. So that's kind of interesting. I think because it was week one of the league, I think most players just wanted to uh, to make a pretty safe choice. So they went with Mono Red or Mono White. Uh, and then we might see kind of more interesting things pop up next week is what I would think. Yeah, yeah I, I guess kind of, yeah. Sorry. As for being in the control seat, it's kind of how I saw this format so far. Um uh, yeah, so that this yeah, this makes sense. People, and it seems like no one's really developing any particular like no no strategy has emerged yet of a consistent way to beat Esper Control, uh, which presumably will be happening yeah this week next week. Yeah, I think the players here also are like hot off a lot of modern and limited play, so I think they probably didn't have that much time to think too much about the meta. Uh, maybe they haven't experienced it all that much. Maybe they haven't been playing on on Arena. Um, so yeah, uh, I think going with safe aggressive choices is probably a good idea and then if you're not into that type of deck then uh, esper control is probably right for you uh, i did think it was weird to that there wasn't like no simic nexus seeing as like that was all the rage in like the first week or two of the format uh, but obviously simic nexus has died down a lot now seeing as teferi time raveler was picked up and it's just really so hard for Simic Nexus to beat that deck, and then you also still just don't have very good matchups against against things like mono white and mono red. I'm gonna start a conspiracy theory that Wizards uh, banned the MPL players from picking a Nexus deck. Oh, but no, I think I think you're right to be honest. You just, can't, <laughs> you just can't play it if everyone's playing Teferi in like aggressive mid range and control decks. Teferi seeing play at all three, so yeah, it's kind of a tough choice for uh, or a tough spot for Simic Nexus. Yeah, I mean. At the Mythic Invitational, they weren't allowed to use full control mode. That is true. They were only allowed to set stops. And sometimes with Nexus, I feel like you need to use the full control mode. Like, usually stops are, are, are enough, but I don't know. There could be something to this theory. Well, I think more the, to this theory. The only thing you can't do is, uh, like, respond to your own spells, like, hold priority, right, without full control mode, I think. Uh, yes, I think that is right. And I think also possibly you can't... I think you don't get priority in your own declare attacker's step without using full control, or I always feel like I miss it in Arena, and I, I never feel like I can cast a spell after declaring attackers. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it usually just goes straight to blockers. Were there any interesting lists that you that you guys saw in this uh, MPL kind of deck dump? Um, not really, I don't think. I liked... I liked... Ben Stark's uh, like Rakdos aggro list. He was just playing. It was essentially mono red, but he was playing four mixed ratty Rick's Matty revelers, and then in the, and he had Carnival Carnages as well, but uh, no experimental frenzies or risk factors, anything like that. I thought that deck was kind of interesting, but mono red just looked more powerful uh, on the whole, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, 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 yeah. I'm just looking here. At, this is a, a, in front of me. I have Kenny Heroes uh, Bant mid range. So it's like this. This build a Bant Bant mid range. Uh, it's not it's not leveraging um okay, actually the same way your lists are. 
uh, it does have its very Vivian uh, chamber sentry as a four of. It's interesting. Yeah, that list was pretty good actually. Yeah, it's like it's more like a it's like a proliferate deck. Four Watley's Raptor, Venerated Loxodon. Def, definitely a different take on the archetype. Maybe even you call it, you probably call it a different archetype altogether. Uh, it's very strange. Yeah, that one was cool. I don't know if we actually got to see that play. I know they did a deck tech of it, but I'm not sure if we actually got to see any games with that deck during the broadcast. Okay. Yeah, you, you would think that they would pick that deck to show in the broadcast. It does look very cool. Yeah. Watley's Raptor. That's something I didn't expect to see. <laughs> I'm having to read it now. Oh, it proliferates. Okay. When it enters the battlefield, proliferate. 2-3 Vigilance for Green-White. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good with Chamber Sentry on one, I guess. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think there were that many like super interesting deck lists out of this. Um, we have one. To I make... think it'll be more interesting uh, going forward and weeks going forward. I think this is the type of event where you can really like attack the meta game. You know, if you know the players in your in your um, group and stuff like that, what they like playing. You know what I mean? Like if you know is in your group or whatever, you're definitely going to be a bit more prepared for the likelihood of people playing some kind of black green mid range deck, etc. Might lead you to play Nexus even if it's not the best position deck in the meta as a whole yeah definitely and then uh, yeah then it almost makes you think well maybe reduce position does he counter that by not playing a deck he's typically known for uh, so he got lots of interesting back and forth yeah definitely yeah well i mean which is in reed's range he did play mono blue to top eight finish at the first mythic championship so you know he he knows he understands his own biases towards certain decks but i think he still will take the opportunity to play them if they're good um, even if he expects other people to metagame against him, I think. But yeah, that, that is a, a great point that we hopefully we'll see some interesting metagaming like that. I, I mean, I'm sure Wizards is, are hoping that, you know, <laughs> these matches sell cards and sell packs. Uh, so a diverse range of decks would really benefit them. So it should be cool to see going forward. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of format where we could see like a, just a completely bizarre deck come out of nowhere that no one ever thought of before that probably isn't good in any other metas. But is perfect for this one meta. Um, we'll we'll yeah, probably see some examples of that going forward. And what have you guys been playing in standard? Uh, I've been playing Nexus and a little bit of Mono Red as well. Though I haven't been winning very much to be honest. I'm kind of just I'm playing Nexus, but it's definitely the worst deck to try and grind the ladder with because your games just take forever. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, after last week's episode, I I, I picked up um, the Bodo Citadel deck. Um, I, I had a lot of success with it on Arena. I made some changes to it. Uh, I landed on on a, on a configuration that I felt was like very very consistent. Uh, I was very very high at the deck. I was um, I guess it's really just uh, it's you, you, you have you basically it's like you have the green black is four package, uh, which you know by itself is enough to win games. Uh, just but just your top end is just this six mana artifact that people can't interact with very well. Um, that you know once you untap with it, you're well, so even so sometimes when you play it, you can go off on that turn. Um, but then once you're, if your opponent lets you untap. Which they likely will because you know, they can't interact with it on the board. Um, it's very easy just to go off because not only do we'll walk or walk out all the cards in your deck. Kind of, well, most of the cards in your deck are giving you giving you life, uh, but also to order, every other card in your deck is also fixing the top of your deck to make sure you don't hit two lands. So uh, just playing through your whole deck is almost um, is almost uh, trivial. Uh, we're going off like that. So uh, I was very happy with this deck. Uh, I brought it to Tanner Showdown um, on Thursday. Uh, I went two two. Uh, I lost to Monored and Nexus. Which are more or less matchups um, I expected to, to to lose against. Did you guys hear this is the last standard showdown season? By the way, I saw that uh, Gus posted that on Facebook. Uh, yes, because um, they're they're going with this new the the, the prizes now for um you know for for, for playing uh, local game stores is it's like the new kind of the new boosters that have kind of more rare cards in it. 
uh, kind of just basically uh, higher value boosters, but they're but they're for all formats, uh, not just standard. Yeah, basically at the, at the store's discretion, where what way they use them. Yeah, yeah which is which is a shame because um, yeah, standard showdown had a, has a multiplier uh, for planeswalker points. Um, yeah, so presumably that that won't be the case anymore. Yeah, it also means that there'll probably be less or like fewer fewer packs for like per event because the I'm I'm assuming most game stores will spread the packs out over many events rather than having them all in one event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the days of standard showdown are sadly coming to a close. You know, it's a shame. Um, I have been playing not that much Magic, to be honest, this week because I had a busy week. However, I was in the doldrums last week. I couldn't figure out what to play. I was trying everything. I was losing with everything. I'm happy to say that I finally had a good run with something. Um, so it was after... You know, reading a bit on Twitter and seeing these MPL decklists coming out, I decided to uh, put together Esper Hero because I was sick of losing to Mono Red and like Nexus matchups. So I did that and it seemed great. Uh, it does well against Mono Red. Uh, it does well against Nexus because it has the Fairy Time Raveler. Uh, it, it's good against Mono Red because it has things like Oath of Kaya in the sideboard. You've got Moments of Craving, Basilica Bell Haunt. And then you just like generate a lot of tokens with uh, the hero of Precinct 1. So you're able to block fairly effectively. Uh, so yeah, that, that took me to a nice 12 and 1 streak. But uh, then I started trying to experiment with some other stuff because I saw the rise of some of these other decks. I'm, man, this format has just been crazy. Like every single week, there's just like a new deck that came out of nowhere. So this week, it is this Jeskai legendary Planeswalker deck. And I said this a few weeks ago, right? I said that uh, the legendary sorceries would make a comeback. Well, I don't know if I said exactly that, but I mentioned the leg- legendary sorceries, and I said that these those decks seem like they would benefit from some of some Urza's Ruinous Blasts. And boy, howdy are they doing it, because we're seeing Urza's Ruinous Blasts, we're seeing Jaya's Immolating Inferno. I put a Yogmoth's Vile Offering in my deck today. Uh, yeah, so oh, wow. this Jeskai Walker's deck... Uh, I think kind of pioneered by John Rolfe. I'm not sure exactly who else maybe uh, had a hand in it, but it's a, a pretty cool kind of legendary matters deck. Well, it's a planeswalker deck based on based around like uh, Sahili, Kazmina, Narset, Teferi, Time Raveler, the bigger Teferi, sometimes Karn and Sarkan at the top end. So I, I suppose that the key one is Teferi, Time Raveler because it just buys you so much time. And it allows you to like beat some some matchups like uh, Nexus almost single-handedly. And then the other most important one is probably Narset because that helps you in your other matchups, the value-based matchups, because people just can't draw cards. And yeah, it, at some point you just kind of assemble this soft lock of uh, Planeswalkers, and then you've got like Kazmina taxing your opponent's effects. Sometimes some of the the decks sometimes play Dovin as well. Again, taxing effects uh, and a, a removal spell. The deck's playing Fibbletip as a, as a way to have like some early plays and some, some cantripping, uh, Mox Amber, and then yeah, Legendary Sorceries like Urza's Ruinous Blast to just have a one-sided board wipe. Uh, deck seems very, very strong. And I played against it a couple of times, and I, I think I, I playing Esper Hero, I won once and I lost once. And I was like, yeah, I got to get in on this, but I don't have enough wild cards to craft all the Fibbletips because they're rare, sadly, and Mox Ambers and things like that. So yeah. Uh, I was like, can I cobble this together out of uh, different colors? So I brewed up an Esper uh, deck with the same kind of basic premise. Um, 
no fivel tips, unfortunately, but I had some removal spells in his place, which are kind of a similar thing, I suppose. And yeah, it seems to be playing okay. I don't know. I've yet, I've, I've still to test it a bit more. I played against Mono Red twice and I lost both times, which I feel like should be an okay matchup because I've got a fair bit of life gain. But yeah, there you go. I don't know. Uh, I'll keep keep going on it. If not, I might just uh, you know buy some packs and default to the Jeskai Walkers deck. Have you guys played against it at all? I played yeah, against no, uh, it once. Sorry, I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was only made aware of this deck uh, last night. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it on the ladder. Uh, well, at least where I am, the ladder, I haven't seen it. But um, yeah, this deck does, does look pretty insane. Yeah, well, I, I haven't been knocked out by it. I played against it once. I was on Nexus, and I, I won very, very easily against it. So that made me think it wasn't very good. But maybe Nexus just has a good game against it. I'm not sure. But uh, I did know, notice that John Rolfe playing the MPL this week uh, was playing mono red he wasn't playing this deck so i'm not sure if he just think it's tuned enough or just didn't want to take it into you know a field where a lot of people are going to be probably playing aggressive decks or or what the idea was there yeah I... yeah he actually he actually did tweet yesterday saying it needs more tuning um but hmm, okay uh, yeah so that probably is the case yeah yeah i'll probably i'll i'll link the uh i'll link his tweet and deck list in the in the show notes i may maybe it could be a case where maybe the deck wasn't actually on his radar until he had already locked in a deck for for this tournament, because I assume they had to lock in their decks a few days beforehand. Yep, that's possible. And yeah, I, I also imagine it's probably not the not the best in a, a field full of uh, Azorius aggro. Yeah. All right, do you guys want to talk about Modern at all? I know that War of the Spark has been affecting Modern greatly. I mean, I, Al should be happy because we have the rise of Karn, the new Karn and Modern, seeming, seemingly in every deck that I look at on stream. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bananas. Uh, it's like... I did not, did not expect to, this new card to take over, but um, yeah, it definitely has had a significant impact in the format. Uh, yeah, this whole this whole set almost um, I don't know. Here's a hot take: Do you think this set will have a bigger impact in modern than Modern Horizons will? It's already been significant so far. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Teferi is seeing play, Narset seeing play, uh, Karin is seeing play. I'm not sure if any any of the other walkers are. Uh, Fibbletip is a card that can see play. I'm not sure if it is already, but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I think Karn is really the main thing to talk about. Like, I've been watching uh, Susurus MTG, uh, who's the Were Prison player. I think he has the most, or he's usually up among the most uh, competitive league trophies for Modern. He's been playing a version of the deck with Karns in it. So he's playing three bridges, three chalices, I think, in his, in his sideboard to just fetch with Karn. Uh, instead of playing all all four main deck, and that also he's obviously playing the Mycosynthalatus in the in the sideboard as well. So it's just a different way for the Wear Prison deck to lock people out. And he says he thinks it's the the best configuration of the deck now going forward. Um, and then also you have Amulet Titan players are just playing Karn now. Tron players are playing Karn. It's, the decks just seems to be everywhere. Any deck that can that can simply make six mana just seems to be playing it now. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's um it's kind of interesting to just the impact that Karen is having on on uh on Tron sideboards that yeah so now the, the, the sideboards have evolved from being you know a way of shoring up your worst matchups to this just uh, you know the just um this kind of crazy kind of toolkit you just have access to every game uh, and then with the Microsoft Lattice combo uh, in there as well um yeah it's like you know, typically the big green Tron deck would would never play uh, Chalice of the Void because uh, you you just have so many one drops but I guess now Chalice of the Void is safely sitting in your sideboard it's not going to be a dead draw. Uh, you just get to go get it once you already have Tron assembled. You don't care much about your your um, your your one drops. Um, you know, it, it seems to be just a, a good place to have it. It's really ridiculous. Like the the Were Prison deck um, that Cesaris was playing, he's playing um, 
pentad prisms. So he's playing like, I'm not sure how many, but he's playing multiple pentad prisms, basically just because he's got more things to ramp for now. Uh, and as well, it, that card is insane with, uh, with Wear of Invention, because you get to tap it for Wear Improvise, and then it can also add two mana, uh, you know, at the same time for your for your Wear of Invention. So it essentially can, can add three mana for that spell, but it also ramps you to the Karn really quickly as well. Uh, and, you know, they keep you alive by giving you a chump blocker. Uh, like when you, with your car and you can turn, uh, turn your Pentad Prism, in, Prism into to block as well. So there's a lot of weird kind of unexpected synergies going on there. Yeah, God, that is very strange. It's exciting. We have stuff like you know, Witchbane Orb and Torpor Orb and Cyborgs and Defense Grid. Um, yeah, so it's really, just, it's almost like a, trans, a pseudo transformation of the archetype, uh, all because of uh, Karn, the great creator. Yeah, so that's the main thing. I haven't seen much else from Modern recently, but uh, but that card seems to be absolutely everywhere. It has, yeah. has done so much to to sideboards. Like it's basically like if you, if you remember back to the Mythic Invitational, which was standard, and it was like best of one, no sideboarding. But a lot of players came equipped with sideboards because they just expected. Well, on the one hand, there were people who had Masterminds acquisition, so they basically didn't have a sideboard. They had what we would call traditionally a wish board. So they're, it's a collection of cards in their sideboard that they're specifically getting with Masterminds acquisition. And then you had other players like Jerry T. He had uh, Dire Fleet Daredevils in his deck. So he was like, well, now I have to have a sideboard as well because I can feasibly Dire Fleet Daredevil onto their Masterminds acquisition and get something from my own sideboard. So he ended up in this weird situation where all these players had these crazy sideboards and they're like so specialized and you never expect to use the cards in, in well I, I the masterminds acquisition decks of course we're using them but like they had this wide array of cards and yeah that's kind of becoming what's what's happening with with karn in modern because there's just so many crazy artifacts that he can get that you just end up filling your filling your sideboard with them and completely transforming the the purpose of what a sideboard is yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's bizarre yeah it's really wild. Obviously, the most powerful interaction is this, um, like a synth lattice thing, which is just honestly really dumb. It's, it's really silly, but you know, let's see, let's see how things go for a while in modern. Uh, modern Horizons is about to come out and everything, so that might shake things up even more. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I would put good money on the idea that there will be some kind of artifact hate card in Modern Horizons. In fact, I would, I would bet there be a hate card for. Most permanent types. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have a cycle, uh, a hate card in each of the five colors. Yeah, I think the the creature one might be a bit better than the others, though. If there's like a hate card, like that's true. Like let's say each one was like destroy all whatever, then the oh yeah, yeah. might be significantly better than the other ones. But yeah, um, one other card that has been seeing a lot of play in modern art. Well, I don't even know actually if it's if it's been seeing a lot of play, but it's been seeing a lot of talk and a lot of hype is a uh, Neoform. So there's like a new combo with Neoform and Allosaurus Rider, like a turn that can potentially kill on turn one. Yeah, that deck's pretty silly as well. It's very all-in, very fragile, but I mean, you don't have Force Oil in Modern, so that, that's a lot better than it is in Legacy. For yeah, this, this, uh, this, this is Bananas. Uh, Neobrand, the kids are calling it. Ooh, I like that name. I must go and buy these cards. <laughs> I genuinely... Yeah, I got it. Um... I, I choose uh, what deck that I want to play in Modern based entirely off the name. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ponza, Ponza, Ponza. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's it's actually, honestly, it's probably 
as good as any other way to choose your deck in modern. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I got this. I do get another Ward of Spark card that this deck is playing is Sabbath Sprint. What? Yeah, so yeah, you got to give your Gristle Brand haste somehow. Exactly. Oh, is there no better card to to play than Sabbath Sprint in that role? Yeah, Cost one mana. Yes, yeah, cry one. Um, what about um, maximize velocity? True. Yeah, that's that, that probably is better. Um, Although I suppose I remember I, the extra the extra plus one power on the Gristle Brand is like not inconsequential. Yeah, it'll actually let you draw another set of seven, right? Sometimes. Uh, so if you draw seven, wait, will it? Sometimes. I don't know. It depends how much you've hurt yourself. Oh. I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, there's many, many combinations. Uh, I, remember, I feel like at one point I figured out why to play Samus Sprint. Because um, there is, I think there's a card that's, that's um, there is one that cantrips, right? I, I think it's, I think it's because Samus Sprint, if Sprint is an instant, uh, that's important for some reason. Oh yeah, you, you are right. There's a, there's a, Something that gives haste from like Origins or something, maybe Corset. I think it's M19. I think it's Gatewatch. Oh, 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 Gatewatch. Um, uh, Expedite. Expedite. Oh, yeah. Expedite. Well, that's also an instant. Gains haste until end of turn, draw a card. Okay, but no no power boost. No power boost. Okay, well. <laughs> it must be for. Like, yo, that's cry. Yeah. No, that, that's cry one is important if you're going to draw seven cards, you know. <laughs> Very true. Cartouche of Zeal also gives haste. Oh, yeah. Plus one, plus one. Haste. Target creature can't block. No. Though, so, yeah, I think we need to yeah. we need to up our game on on what exactly uh, what's what's giving haste to uh, to Crystal Brand in this deck. I think people are just using using Samut's print because it's the most recent print. I think uh, yeah, they need to figure this figure this shit out more. Well, it's annoying to find old commons and stuff. You know, may as well just use one you got in your you know, draft chaff <laughs> in your in your pre-release kit. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well. It kind of feels funny to talk about modern at all now because like Modern Horizons is so close that like what's what's even the point of exploring this format? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's interesting to see how much it changes in your side of uh, Horizons, but um, there is a lot going on right now. It's an interesting format right now. We're, we're probably yeah. I think we just gotta wait and see. Basically, yeah. People obviously will play it either way and are you know having fun, but yeah. We're probably only a few weeks out from from the start of Modern Horizons previous season, right? I believe so. So. I guess we'll we'll start to start to see the story of modern shaping up coming through that previous season. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's all we have for today. Bit of a slow news week. We still got a decent episode out of it. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully, we'll be back next week. I'll have uh, something to say about War of the Spark Limited. Like literally anything to say about it, that will be good. Uh, <laughs> we also hopefully will have something to say about the the MPL and and the the league format going forward. And hopefully I continue my streak out of uh, negative win rate in in constructed. So, so for for reference, where are you in a ladder right now? Uh, I want to say diamond three. Okay, you gotta gotta get out of there. Yeah, I, this is this is the longest that I haven't been in mythic when I've actually tried. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, so okay. for me. Whenever you're ready, you can join the scrubs like me playing Grixis Control down in uh, Gold Two. So, listen. I'm also in Gold Two. Let's fight all. After the <laughs> oh, really? No way. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I if I if I'm paired against someone who I think is you. <laughs> you can just uh, queue up at the exact same moment. Press the button together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did play a lot of Grixis Control at the start of the of the month, or like not the start of the month when when War of the Spark came out. 
I like that's immediately what I crafted. I used all my wild cards to craft Grixis Control, and I really regret it now. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Yeah, like it, yeah. it's fine. I, I I do like the deck, and it can it can win any game. I think, but you're just like it's so bad if you play against even like Esper Hero, and you draw like the removal heavy half of your deck because like so often they'll just destroy you with Teferi Time Raveler or Teferi Hero Dominaria. And yeah, I, I think in general Teferi is seeing so much play right now and he just is better than Nicol Bolas, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm, I also <laughs> to avoid getting too big to switch by standard. Right at the moment, I'm experimenting with a, like a mid-range version um, with like a creature-heavy mid-range version and kind of bouncing back and forth between this control. So hopefully I'll have a yeah, conclusion uh, for next week as to uh, where Crixus is going or where it's gone. Yeah, actually, just to go back to one one deck that I forgot to mention, the band mid-range deck that also kind of came out of nowhere and became very popular for a while. I think that could be a good choice going forward. Um, I might see if I can craft that up and, and play a few matches with that because it seems pretty strong. I mean, it seems quite like Sultai, but with like a better top end because you still have Hydroid Graces, but then you also have God Eternal Loketra um, to go over the top of other mid-range decks and, and like stabilize against aggressive decks. So, yeah, I, I'm into that deck uh i'm into vivian i'm into teferi time raveler teferi time raveler i think is my favorite card in standard at the moment he's just so good slices dices draws cards bounces search for ascanta uh bounces your own things back to your hand so you can reuse their into the battlefield abilities i love him i yeah. hate it Great it's card. so obnoxious turns the game into hearthstone i hate it <laughs> because you're playing nexus even no, I was watching the stream, but like yesterday, and both players had Teveri Time Reveler out, and I was like, "Oh, we're literally just playing hard stuff." <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, yeah. It's kind of weird. You still choose how to block, I guess. I'm sure they'll print a Teveri next set that where you don't get to choose how to block. <laughs> You're someone should have shouted, "A fight! Count me in!" <laughs> um, actually, another another card that is uh, maybe not under the radar anymore, but one of one of my favorite cards in that Esper deck is uh, Soren, because like there's just so many planeswalkers that are like his ability doesn't hit creatures, very sad, but it hits players and planeswalkers, and he goes up plus two every time, so he, he gets like really high loyalty very fast, and he can just snipe off so many planeswalkers because there's like most of those uncommon planeswalkers like Narset and stuff like that they tick down to one, so if you can play the Soren and then snipe them off. You're doing pretty well, and the same for Teferi Time Raveler. Even Big Teferi, if 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 your opponent plays him and minuses him to to tuck something back into your library, if you're able to then play Soren and plus one, you can kill him. Um, and then obviously the ability to bring back like Hero of Precinct One or um, Thief of Sanity from your graveyard is just unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's badness. Yeah. So I like him a lot. We'll see if he sees more play in the future. All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, uh, at Skullcrack. You can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for decks or anything like that, or if you want to email us any card designs for our ongoing uh, card set, which is, what's the name of that card set, Al? Tala Time Warp. Tala Time Warp, all right. So it's a mix mashup of uh, Irish mythology with current Irish pop culture, I guess. Yeah, so we'd love a, another card <laughs> Uh, haven't seen one in a while. This is specifically directed at Eamon. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.
as alluded to towards the end of of, of this episode, uh, I am playing a lot of Grixes. And I'm feeling I'm feeling in the very Grixes mood, and I've been looking up some uh, villain quotes. Uh, a lot of actors say villains are the most interesting characters to play because they get all the best quotes. Uh, so I think it is time for another line versus wolf showdown. Oh, where we have a quiz where the line faces off against the wolf. I love it. I feel, I feel like David. I feel like Wolf has an advantage here, uh, being a, the host of a film podcast, also. But I'll I'll try my best. Oh well, these are well, these are actually all um, uh, as it's across all all formats, all formats, all mediums. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Everything so is stories in general. Yeah, stories in general. So uh, okay, uh, it's a quick quiz between uh, to you. So um, uh, random. So randomly selected. Um, going first will be Kieran. Okay. So all you're going to do is. It'll make it harder. We'll say you have to tell me the name of the character and uh, the thing they're in, where, where this quote comes from. All right. Um, okay. Kieran. <clears throat> say these, these are all quotes by villains. You speak now like a brave and honest man. Courage does not fear crime, and honesty does not fear authority. Is that uh, Javert from Les Mis? It is correct. Oh, very good. That's in the book. Is that in the book or the musical? I, I just guessed because it sounded like it, but I don't remember it from the musical. I think it actually is a book. Um, yes, yeah, so okay. forget it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay, so we've got a got a hard one for for the wolf. Oh no! I am the Senate. <laughs> um, I guess that's Senator Palpatine from Star Wars. That is correct. This is a quote by the Senate, formerly known as Chancellor Shi Palpatine, um, <laughs> in Star Wars Episode Three: Rise of the Sith. A very very powerful line there. All right. <laughs> so it's that one. I'll uh, back to gear on. I have all the characteristics of a human being. Blood, flesh, skin, hair, but not a single clear identical emotion, except for greed and disgust. Okay, I don't think I have any idea what this is. I'll try and guess. Yeah, you could guess it. Can I guess? No. <laughs> yeah, if you get it wrong, you can guess. Yeah. Okay. Could, you, could you read it once more, Al? Yeah. I have all the characteristics of a human being. Blood, flesh, skin, hair, but not a single clear identical emotion, except for greed and disgust. Is this like a like an Ayn Rand character from the Fountainhead or something? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they wouldn't be the yeah. villain then. They would be the good guy in the book, right? Yeah, never mind. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all Ayn Rand characters. Uh, no, it's actually not. Um, it's, the character would not be out of place uh, in the Fountainhead. So, uh, so pass it over to Dave Wolf. Okay. I feel like I thought that I knew who it was, but now I don't. I'm not so sure. I also don't know the name of the character. Actually, I don't think the character has a name. Is it like Christian Bale's character from American Psycho? Yes, it is. Uh, Patrick Bateman, his name is American Psycho. Yes. Give me that one. All right. So I two one to Wolf. All right. This one starts off Wolf. Okay. Are you ready? I have to get a character for this. This is a hard one. <clears throat> Sorry. I've ruined my own joke. I'll start again. All right. <clears throat> I finger up the button. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. One more time. I, fi- I finger up the button. Uh, I was really hoping to say this with a straight face. Uh, or else. I'll, I'll, can we try again? Can we cut this out? All right. I'll do it in silence. A finger up the bum. Is that it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. Oh my god. Uh. Is this like a Jack Black character? Nope. Hmm. I don't know. Pass. Kieran Judo. Is it uh Ramsey Bolton? It is not, but it's from the same show. This is uh Euron Greyjoy from A Game of Thrones. Oh gee. A finger up the bum? Question mark. Um. This is a. Uh, I kind of I I like the direction the show is taken by taking this mysterious blood wizard and turning him into a horny disco pirate <laughs> yeah uh, another it's great yeah great villain all right uh back over to here on a vigilante is just a man lost in a scramble for his own gratification he can be destroyed or locked up 
if you if but but if you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote devote yourself to if you do if you do devote yourself to an ideal, and they can't stop you, you become something else entirely, a legend. Is this made character from I Am Legend? Yeah, uh, no. Okay, that, I don't know. They both. Um, it sounds like something from Batman. That, that is correct. You know who said it? Um, I mean, I want to say the Joker, but it doesn't sound like the Joker. Um, no, it's a uh, Razal Ghul. Very good. Yeah. Razal Ghul from Batman Begins. Yes. All right. Uh, one more. Um, David is winning two one, but I'll say whoever gets this wins. Uh, starts off with David. Oh no, yeah, yeah. starts off with David. Kieran, if David gets this wrong and you get it, we'll say you win. All right. This is um, this is on in caps, which is important. Okay. All right, David. You are a fool. These gods could not stop us back when they were alive and we were weak. How can you possibly defeat us now? Now that they are dead? Now that we are one? Once again, a god. Um, I know who this is, but Kieran, do you know who this is? Is it... I mean, I imagine it's someone from the magic book, but uh, I don't really know who it would be. Is it, is it uh, Kefnet? No, but uh, I think Dave Wolf does. Oh, well, I could embarrass myself here, but I'm pretty sure it's Nicol Bolas. This is... Nicole Brobotis. Damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a, it's a um, very poor line. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, in the book, when he becomes God, everything he says is in caps. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> which is quite annoying. Uh, yeah, very, very good writing there. It's, it's up there with um, a finger up the bum from uh, your own Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, so there you go. A win for David Wolf. Well, the well, wolf well. has conquered the line. Until next time. <laughs>